Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, episode 37, Hip to be Screwed, with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on our new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink and download the new Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And now Smitty has a quick word from our new show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up at BetUS.com with the promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, that is B-E-T-U-S.com. And use the promo code RINK for your sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Do you know what offsides is in hockey now? <laughs> you know, I, I watched that play many, many times, and I actually argued with a guy about it who um, is anti-oiler, so he clearly has a bias. Um, really? But, I, I mean, I want the Avalanche to win that series. I hope the Avalanche win the series. Uh, and I thought that was offsides by a mile. Like I, I didn't, I didn't think it was particularly close. The whole like no. I, I bring the puck into the zone, or I, I nudge the puck into the zone, and then I don't touch it, and the guy can tag up. I mean, it's a smart play, but I still don't think he successfully pulled it off. Like no. he was touching the puck when it actually touched the line, so he was, was. on the blue line touching the yeah. puck. That mm-hmm. to me automatically that's offsides. Mm-hmm. It's offsides. Uh, me too. Me too. And I, you know, the amazing thing is, is that it wasn't called offsides. Like, because then it's up for debate because typically that's a no brainer offsides like that. The guy's offsides by two strides. Yeah. How like, does the lineman miss offside. that in regular time? Yeah. Like, how does he, how does he even have the wherewithal to say, yeah, that's good. That's, that's on. Like, I, I have no idea. And, and I'm with you. Like, there's a fine line there. Are we, I, this is almost like the NBA. Are we making stuff up on the fly now? Like I've never seen that before in my life where, yeah, it's not possession. If you, first of all, he's possessing it. He is possessing say, it when he hit the line and then it just leaves the stick. You're, the puck is not on your stick all the time when you're skating with it. It's not. No, it isn't. So if that's not, so that you have to determine what the possession is and what isn't. I thought it was offside by a mile too. And I don't think it's, and then people say, oh, no, 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 that's, he didn't have possession. Well, oh, Jesus, he, he's carrying it into the zone. Yeah. I'm not even sure he saw his teammate. No. Like he just was, was straight ahead. Like he was because he didn't like delay was, at all. And the, if you notice, the guy is two strides offside. So if you notice <laughs> that, you would delay slightly he at would. the line. You would. Right. So he didn't see him. So it wasn't a play to like actually try to accomplish the, you know, touch it, let it go into the zone, then pick it back up. He wasn't trying to do that. He was just bringing the puck into the zone and it happened to leave his stick and they got lucky. And apparently that's fine. You, you can do that. That's allowed. I, I didn't, I didn't know that. And they showed a clip of Charlie McAvoy earlier. I don't know if it was earlier in the season or at some point, straddling the line, like going down the line and then pushing it forward over. And then, and then his teammate got on side, but he, he knew 
his teammate was offside. Right. He knew. Mm-hmm. So with this, in this case, I mean, that's offside a hundred times out of a hundred. Like that's just offside. Yeah. You know, and so now I don't, so now I don't get the rule. Like you can, you can nudge it forward and just, you know, wait for the, I, I have no idea what, cause that looked like it was, it was Makar, right? Yeah. It was Makar. Yeah. So he, he, he had every intention to skate it over the line. Yeah. And he did. So yeah. That, to me, that's, I, I mean, I get what they're saying. Like, the whole dumping thing, but that's not a dumping. That's no. you have fuck, and you are skating over the line. You are skating that, with it's it. It's a deliberate. It's a it's a it's a it's a face off in the other end. Like, yeah, I mean deliberate. you're you're skating with the so the whole thing. I I just I just don't understand it because I mean I'm I'm with everyone. Like I want them to be more lenient on those calls. Sure. Like because because yeah. it because it, it affects the game in a negative way. Like oh he was. Right a third of an inch offside on a play that happened 25 seconds ago. And then you score a goal and they're like, we're challenging for offsides. Like, I want to get rid of all that. Like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But this guy was two strides in the zone and then he brings the puck in. So like, that's not even a neighborhood play to me. No, no. Like it wasn't like he's straddling the line or his foot is in the air over the line. Like he was not close to the line. So offsides, offsides every single day. Here's the, other thing that, here's the other thing that pissed me off. How many times do the Bruins get screwed for like being a third of an inch off the line? Like you said, like right. they get they get goals wiped out all the fucking time. Yeah. on that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And now this one is oh no, that's oh that's absolutely on. Yeah, like, Jesus, clearly, clearly good. Like a duck, it smells like a duck. Ryan allowed. That was <laughs> that was brutal. I just I just now I don't know what's offsides is. And I'm with you. Count all the goals, like, 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 be like, like, yeah, like, like, if it's borderline, go for the offense. Like, yeah. I'm with you. Like, they they take away too many goals as it is. So fine. Yeah. But but that one is egregious. Yeah, I'm I'm all, like I said, I'm all for the neighborhood play. Like, if yeah. if if you wanna if you wanna, and they should go back to it in baseball too, in my opinion. But that's another right. story for a, right. probably a different podcast. Right. <laughs> but right. but I'm all for the I'm all for the neighborhood play. Like if if it's close, <laughs> call it good. Right. Call it right. good. It's it doesn't have that much of an effect on anything, and it'll lead to more goals, more odd man chances. Awesome. More people will watch hockey. More goals will be scored. It'll be fantastic. But this, the you. guy was not close to the line. No. Not close to the no. line. That is, it, it, I don't know. I'm, all I know is this. If it's a high school hockey game, that's offside. <laughs> you, that. You're right. That dead. You're right. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. Time for Seven Chirps. And it's sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. And you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events on social media. Uh, Chirp number one, is Bruce Cassidy the coach to bring along the young prospects? Seem to have some struggles with some of the younger folk. That's that's an interesting question because I think when he was down in Providence, he got a lot of credit for how some of those younger guys played down there. Mm-hmm. And then when they came up to the Bruins, they were ready to go. Like they knew the system, they were integrated, they were doing the right things and so forth. Um, but since he's been with the Bruins, I don't know if it's gone great, but at the same time, are those players any good? Right. That's really what it comes down to. 
is are the players, the young players that they have, any good? And I'm Virtually going to say every one of them has not done anything with any other teams. Right. So that that's that's my point is I think Cassidy could be the right guy if the players are good. Like McAvoy's done well under him. Um, you know, some of the other I don't know who who else is a young player that's come up under him that's had some success. Well, geez, I mean this I mean this Frederick who's had his ups and downs and battles with Cassidy, but rightfully so. I mean, like right. you said, like rightfully so. If the player is up and down then he's up and down. If yeah. Players stinks. And he stinks. Right. And then, and then yeah. you go back to the guys that they've drafted that haven't been very good and they haven't done no. anything anywhere else. So I'm going to say that's on the players and not necessarily on Cassidy or the system. I think Cassidy is a pretty simple guy. I think if you play hard and you, um, you know, play to the best of your ability and you don't, you, if you aren't a passenger, then he will like you. And he, he gets in the, you know, he doesn't like players who are just going to take nights off and just, right. and you're not going to get the same rope if you take night. I mean, I get Pasternak will take a night off. I get that. But he also scores 40 plus goals. Yeah. You know, he's one of the better scorers in the league. Like, you know, if guys take nights off, you know, even David Krejci, you take a night off here and there, you, you know, he wouldn't, you know, he'd get, wouldn't give it his all or whatever, or just a bad night. But Jesus, he's one of the top, 10 scores in the history of the, the, the team. Yeah. I mean, you build I up, mean, you, you build up a, a, a pool of, you know, respect or earn trust. Uh, if you're a veteran who's done it for a number of years versus a guy who's just coming into the league, like a Ryan Spooner. Oh, you know, you never got a You never got enough chance. It's cause he sucked and he was horrible defensively right. and he didn't produce sure. offensively. If you produce, then he's going to give you a little more slack, a little more rope. If you take dumb penalties like Frederick, you're going to see the press box from time to time. Sure. He gives Connor Clifton plenty of rope. Sure. I mean, he plays plays quite a bit as a younger guy coming along. Um, He likes the ball. He got hurt, but he liked them. So I think it's, I think you're right. And those players, again, they, they went somewhere else and didn't do anything. So it's the players, the players are not good. So I think that that's, if he had some good young players, then I think he'd give him, you know, more time and more rope there. Mm-hmm. Uh, chirp number two, Brad Marchand had arthroscopy on both hips and could miss the first two months of the season. Not good if the Bruins need to get off to a good start. The Bruins do need to get off to a good start, but yeah. I mean, most so teams too, uh, yeah. you know, look to get off to a good start. Yeah, that's going to, I mean, that's going to hurt. And then the, the, the second question is, if he, is he ever going to be the same? Is coming True. back from that, you know, it, that's a similar surgery to what Tuca had, no, for the it for is. the hip. And he had one hip, one yeah. hip done, and yeah. and then he couldn't play anymore. He decided it wasn't worth the effort to come back and play anymore. So that does not bode well necessarily for Brad Marchand's ability to come back and and be the same player that he was prior to this. Now maybe it will free him up, and he'll be, you know. It'll give him, you know, another stride of speed or or another step or whatever. But the indications are it's probably going to go the other way. Like he's double hip surgeries, you know, getting up into his mid thirties isn't necessarily a recipe for success. He's thirty four. Yeah, mean, it's, and he's got a lot of wear and tear in there. He's in his twelfth. This is what his twelfth season. Like, I mean, 
Yeah, it's he's 34 and he plays a game that's where he gives us all. Mm-hmm. Like he he's the guy who gives us all. Yeah. Um he's not a passenger ever. He gets under guys and he you know, he wins battles for pucks and that's his whole game really. He's very shifty back and forth and darting in and out and and I, you know, two two hips like that. Now I get Tuka was a goalie so there's different you know, your hip flexors take a beating when you're going up and down and sliding right. across. Goalie's different, but you do have to skate. You have to stop and start. And I mean, it's it's not the best news. No, he's, he he stops and starts, and he's also a smaller guy who takes you know a a good amount of punishment in winning those yeah. puck battles and and battling in the corners and throwing hits and getting to the front of the net and doing all those things that he does. Um, yeah, it's it's uh. You know, hopefully, fingers crossed. You know, he he comes back in two months and he's and he's better than he was before because he has some freedom in his hips, maybe that he hasn't had the last few years. But uh, you know, that's a that's a big if because he's like you said, he's thirty four and and getting up there and he's got a lot of miles on him. And you know who needs a really good start more than anybody else is Bruce Cassidy, because if they don't have a good start, he's already been given the the passive aggressive, like this is on you. <laughs> I mean, they basically say we have to coach different and you're the coach. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a pretty telling like Sweeney's fine. Neely's fine. You know, Kevin Dean sucks and Cassidy yeah. needs to go. Like that's basically what they're saying. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a scapegoat or whatever it is, but it's also a little bit lame duckish. Like it's kind of like they go, you know, six, 10 and one, then people are going to start barking and then, and then it's, you know, then it's going to be, you know, Chris Kelly in there or somebody, mm-hmm. like it's, it's going to be inevitable. Yeah. So he needs to, he needs to, you need to get off to a good start and without Bergeron and God knows what happens with the center position. And now with Marsh end out for maybe a month, maybe two, that's not good. Um, chirp number three, Marshan's no movement clause expired on May the 31st. He has a six-team trade list he now submits to the team. Nothing to see here? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Uh, it all depends on how they start, I think. I mean, I am i don't think they have the balls. Sweeney has the balls to move him. I, I just don't. I just don't think so. Uh, he's a beloved guy for the Bruins. He wants to finish his career here from by all accounts. Um, but he's, gonna, he's coming off a hip surgery that's going to put him out for two months. If the team starts slow... Like six, ten, and one, like you said. Mean maybe they entertain moving them at the deadline if they're out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I highly, highly doubt that that's going to happen. And you know, I think it would probably be to. I think his six team, his teams are probably mostly all Eastern Conference teams, um, with maybe the exception of like a Colorado or. Uh, a team that's, you know, a front runner in the Western Conference, you know, Colorado yeah. or a Calgary. I or thought something, maybe but... Colorado or Edmonton because then you have McKinnon and, and McDavid. Right. Like you want to go play with a great center. Right. You're a Marchand at that point in his career. Yeah. So I, other than that, I mean, I think it's Eastern Conference teams. It's, you know, it's the Pittsburghs. It's the, you know, the Rangers, yeah, maybe. Toronto, it's maybe, Toronto. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, I just, I just can't, I can't see it happening really. Cause I, I think he's, he's a Bruin. I think he'll finish as a Bruin, whether that's, you know, in the next couple of years or if he retires because of his hips or, you know, if he's out when his, when his contract's up, I think he'll finish a Bruin. 
And a couple other things too. One is he he has such an affordable contract. It's not like they have to dump him. Right. If he made ten million, different story. Mm -hmm. But he makes a little over six, and and then the next year it gets to I think it's like a fifteen team no trade or whatever. So they could be half the half the league, and then you have to see where it goes. The other thing is Sweeney has to make the playoffs, so he's not going to lose Bergeron and trade Marchand and put himself out to where they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, they still have to make every effort to make the playoffs to make the Jacobs family happy. So uh, unless they can really convince them like in 05, 06, that we have to rebuild and that's the only way we can do it. But they, I don't see that happening right now with this group, especially when you have Pasternak coming up next year. You've already given tons of money to McAvoy. You gave a big contract to Lindholm. Like you're expecting to at least contend for the playoffs. Um, all right. Uh, and I'd love to see what that six team trade list is. And I, I think it's like Toronto, Pittsburgh, like you said, I'd say like Edmonton, Colorado. I'm just thinking of all the really good centers he could play with. And I, I think, and, and I don't know if he, he's from Nova Scotia. I don't know if he has any real, you know, connection to an American city or, you know, I can't really think of any other, I think it's all like top. If I were him top line, centers yeah um sure to play with um all right speaking of top line centers chirp number four is top six centers still in the nhl playoffs and why it's scary what the bruins might have because if you look at all these teams all elite centers yeah i mean we've talked about it for a long time if bergeron retires they are fucked they are in big are. big trouble because uh, mm -hmm. they not only do they not have a number one center they don't have a number two center either Despite what people want to say no. about Eric Holler's season, on a good team, he is not a number two center. He's a number three no. center. Uh, and Charlie Coyle's a number three center. So they have two number three centers, um, which would be nice if you had a number one and number two, because then your third and fourth centers are, you know, you got some pretty good depth there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty good. But you don't have that. And if Bergeron goes, they are in big, big trouble. Big, big yeah. trouble. Um, so I think, you know, that's when you're starting to look in the off season, maybe you move a DeBrusque, maybe you move a Riley or a Grizzlick or somebody for a, a Shifley type or somebody like that who produces points and, and maybe is a little bit of a malcontent where he is. And you can possibly, because of your system and your culture, maybe turn him into a better two way player than he is and still produce at a, at a high level. Um, that's something you have to look at. Um, I, I think you would still have to give up a ton to make that happen. I don't think DeBrusque and, you know, Riley is enough. I think you have to throw in probably a LaSalle or a, um, or a low rye or a pick or both of those things. So, I, I mean, they're in a real, real tough spot. And Sweeney said it yeah. himself, you don't replace a Ber player like Bergeron in, in one year. It's going to take probably a few years. And and that all comes back to That's how so poorly he's drafted. And yeah. I don't know why everybody just kind of let that slide. Like, oh, yeah, it's going to take a few years to replace, you know, the, the best center on your team. Why is that? Why don't you have anybody in the pipeline? Why weren't there any follow-up questions that's, that questioned him about that? Where is the center depth in your organization? You don't have any because you haven't drafted well. No, you don't have any. You know, you don't have any. And Jackson Nick is still your best center prospect. Yeah, why are you why are you drafting third and fourth line guys with your first round picks? Why are you drafting Trent Frederick and, and John Beecher as right. first round picks 
that are projected to be bottom six forwards. Why are you right. doing that? Right. Why aren't you drafting Debrinket or you know someone yeah. else? Why aren't you drafting Barzal or Kyle Connor, right. who are both right. top top six centers, top right. top line centers? Why are you not drafting those guys? I mean, if you look at all the Stanley Cup winners, I went back like twenty years and even beyond, and everybody is like Crosby. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's it was even the Kings of Kopitar sure. and Jeff Carter. Yes, like it was it because Bergeron and Krejci, you could make an argument with look, we're not we're probably like the worst of the bunch. Like like the, all the other centers were like like the like top of the line players like Jonathan Taves. Like yeah. everybody was a top elite center. And then of course you go back to Gretzky and all those players yeah. back then. Like it's always been Lemieux. It's always been a top line sure. elite center. Like yeah. elite. Yeah. And like you said, they don't have they have two th- two threes. Like they have two mm-hmm. Two guys who are who are decent, love you, mean it. Yep. Like, but Christ, like this is not not there. Mm-hmm. Um, chirp number five: Carolina loses game seven at home. How would the Bruins have matched up with this Ranger club? I think they would have matched up fairly well with the Ranger team um, mm-hmm. because they play a little bit different than Carolina. I think Carolina's speed and forecheck gave the Bruins defense fits, mm-hmm. and. I think the Rangers play a little bit differently. They still have the speed. They have guys that can really move, um, but they don't play the same way. They're not as good five on five as Carolina is. Um, they're playing better. I feel in the, like they uh, play more like the Bruins. Like they, they do. Like they're a little bit better in the been playing a little bit better in the playoffs. They have a good. Go- they have good goaltending. They have yeah. you know pretty good defense. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they would have matched up better with the Rangers, obviously, than mm. than they did yeah, against I, Carolina. I think so too, because they I mean, lost. Obviously, Shostakov would have been tough because yeah. you know they the Bruins have struggled, you know, to play, um, you know, to play offense and score goals. But um, I do, I do like, and they had some history there with the Rangers, where they've done pretty well in the playoffs against them. So, uh, all right, number six, Kevin Deneen leaves his job as an assistant. Some say fired, some say left. Either either way, he's gone. Some names have been thrown around. Of course, Mark Savai, we talked about Rick Tockett. Um, and then Rick Bonus has left the Dallas Stars, and he was the coach back in 91-92 for the Bruins that went to the third round uh, sort of unexpectedly. So at this point, you know, I've said this before, I think you got to keep, keep an eye on who it is and how it lines up because I think your next coach is in that group. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I don't want Tockett. I don't think Tockett's a very no. good coach. Um, yeah. He can stick to being a shitty analyst for DNT or whatever it is. <laughs> um, right. I don't think he's very good. I do like Savard. Um, I, I he's done well with the um, Spitfires in the in junior in Canada. Uh, I think he's got them uh, pretty far along in the playoffs. I'm not sure if they went all the way to the finals or not, but. Um, he's doing well with them. I think he would be an excellent guy to bring in to help the power play. Um, he has obviously very good creativity, great passer. So I think that would help. Uh, and he's been a head coach, which I think is good, uh, experience wise bonus. I, I would, I would like, I think he would help with the defense. He's kind of a tough minded guy. I think he would help maybe with some of the, not necessarily physicality, but the way the Bruins defense plays in their own end. I think having a guy like that on the staff would help them. 
um, be a little bit more ornery in their own end. And I think that would be a welcome addition to the staff. And then if Cassie has a slow start, I could see either one of those guys, Bonus or Savard, taking over. Sure, I, I could too. And, and and here's the other good thing: Mark Savard would instantly be the best center on the team. <laughs> he would be. Can can we can we bring <laughs> well, him in as a play, can we bring him in as a player coach? Oh my God, he's a he's a playmaking center that they need. Yeah. Um, trip number seven: David Pasternak and David Krejci win the bronze medal in the World Championships together. Pasta puts out a video asking Krejci if he's coming back to Boston. Krejci gives kind of a sheepish smile. Is it really happening? God, I hope so. I mean, it, I think here's what I think. I don't think Krejci would allow that to happen vir- uh, virally like that if it wasn't at least on the table. Um, because if he, because he's just going to get a lot of like, hey, you're coming back, you're coming back, you're coming back. I think if it was a non-subject, I don't think they do that. So I think there may be something to it. And I think they may be waiting for Bergeron to see what he's doing and seeing how much money would cost them. They just don't have a ton of money. They have like right. $4.3 million. Mm-hmm. So they they don't have a ton of money. So they, they can't. It's not like they can give Krejci $4 million right now and say, okay, sorry, Patrice. Right. You know, and they can't trade anybody right now. And the playoffs are still on. It's just a, it's a weird time right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be explored. And maybe Bergeron and Krejci get together and say, hey, do you want to make one more run and – do you want to take two million bucks each and see if we can get it going? Maybe, like, I, maybe all that needs to sort out. But maybe this the timing isn't right right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it's on the table because I think it wouldn't have been out there or they wouldn't have allowed that to happen if it wasn't at least being entertained. So I think there's like if there's a little smoke, there's fire. I think there's a little smoke there, so I think there's a little fire there, and I wouldn't mind at all. Having Bergeron and Cre- I think I don't think Krejci's coming back if no if there's no Bergeron, so I'll say that okay. I think it's going to okay. be both or none. Okay, so maybe that's what they're waiting for. Is- yeah, maybe they're waiting to see if Bergeron makes the decision to come back. Because I don't think it would just be Krejci like one more kick at the can, but yeah, you don't have <laughs> you don't have the other centerpiece that you really need to right. to make it a legit kick at the can like. Right, yeah, because they wouldn't be good enough. Still, right, they still wouldn't Krejci be good back. enough with just Krejci. No. Um, right. So I, I think, you know, it may be that they're waiting for something like that to kind of shake out. And then, like you said, it could be that they get together and, and talk about salary and so forth and, and trying to fit themselves both under it to still give themselves enough room to uh, sign some additional pieces that they need. You know, Krejci didn't, didn't officially retire. So nope. that always, always left the door open. And then someone was saying, well, he wouldn't leave his family. He wanted to bring his family back to check. It's really like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, less than a, cal- a calendar year. Like it's, it's not that long. And these, these players are without their families quite a bit. He could come back one year just by himself, mm-hmm. maybe, tr- you know, fly them in a couple of times. They were there. Sure. Like he could come and do it on his own for a year to give it one more shot. And I think he's open to it. And I think now that maybe the Pasternak and, and Krejci, you know, playing together, you know, maybe that did help with a little bit. Krejci always said he wanted to play with Pasternak. Mm-hmm. Like he was always wondering why Cassie wouldn't do that. Um, I think he, I think there's definitely a chance. But like you said, I think it's up to Bergeron um, because if Krejci comes back with no Bergeron, then you, you still aren't, you still aren't probably, you probably aren't even a playoff team or you're, or you're barely, you're borderline at that point. 
So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it would have to be Bergeron and Krejci. Now, if that's the case, to me, that's the best case scenario for the Bruins because that's the that's taking a, a bridge year and taking a run at it. Like, because it's mm-hmm. it's still kind of a bridge year because you have all those guys coming off the books in the Ford Group the following year, right? And you have Pasternak, you have to resign. So you're going to see a massive change probably in your roster anyway the following year, right? So this is the one way you can do it within the cap mm-hmm. and you can have two pretty good centers and make a run at something, whether that's round one, two, three, whatever it is. So it's the best case scenario for Sweeney. I think is if those two guys are willing to come back for short money. The other thing they could do is they could take Marshan's salary, put him on long-term IR to start the season. Then you right. could use his salary uh, at the beginning of the year to, to sign those guys to maybe a little bit higher deals and then you'd have to do some cap maneuvering within the season when Marshan came back, or you could pull a fucking Kucherov and just sit him out and sit him out <laughs> right. until the playoffs, and then bring him in, and then you got everybody. Or you could take, say, Charlie Coyle. You got a, you got a, a knee that looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, you may want to yeah. sit down. Yeah, I mean, they could months. do that. They could, they could yeah. just pick different guys to to fix. Like when Marshan <laughs> comes back, somebody else goes on. Like, right. does anybody else have a long-term injury you need fixed? Oh, sure. Mm. We'll fix you up. You're, you're out three months. We'll use your money now. I mean, all these other teams are doing you know this what? bullshit. Carlo may, may have a long-term injury by then. <laughs> so what the hell? That's 5.25, I think. <laughs> Jesus. He only makes 4.1, uh, I think. 4.1? Yeah, he only makes 4.1. Really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Well, that's that makes me feel better though. Yeah, because he's because he's four point one. I mean, sure he is. That's that's good value. Sure he is. That's good value. Yeah. Um. All right, time now for something we like to call random throwback draft, <laughs> and this is the two thousand two draft twenty year anniversary of the O two draft. Okay. And the number one pick overall was Rick Nash of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um. And there were several. There were only four guys in this first round that never played in the uh, the National Hockey League. And the Bruins picked one of those players? And the, and, the, and the Bruins did not pick one of those players. They picked Hanu Toivonen at 29, who played 61 games in the league. That, I mean, whatever. It's the same yeah. difference. Hanu Toivonen <laughs> went 29, and uh, right uh, seven picks before Jarrett Stahl who played 872 games in the league. Perfect. Uh, and uh, 43 was Trevor Daly, who played 1,058 games as a defenseman in the league. Couldn't but have used either Hanu. of those guys. Yeah. They wanted Hanu. Yeah. 56 overall. Bruins take Vladislav Yevzeev. 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 I need a, like a phonetic spelling. Yeah, we just call him Vladislav. Because yeah. we are on a first name basis with them. Vladdy, Vladdy, Vladdy. went one pick before Matt Stajan, who played a thousand three games. Sweet, Toronto, and then Yuri Hoodler went the next pick. Awesome, and Johnny Boychuk went three picks later. Of course, we ended up getting him. Yeah, later on. That was a that was a good trade too. It was. It was a very good trade. Uh, Thomas Fleischman went right after that as well. And then the Bruins took with, uh, didn't have a third round pick. Fourth round, they took uh, Jan Kubista. Jan is a right winger <laughs> from Czech who was 18 years old at the time. He's now 38. Uh, he never, never, play, never played a game in the uh, National Hockey League. 
but there wasn't a lot. James Wisniewski wasn't a lot behind him. So that wasn't a complete and total loss. Um, who is next? It was uh, Peter Hammerlick was a goalie. Looks like they needed a goalie back in 02. He did not play a game in the, uh, in the old NHL either. Uh, let's see. Round six, they didn't have a pick. Round seven, Dimitri Utkin. Utkin. Went a lot of uh, a lot of uh, non North American players in that draft. They took a. You know, I looked at back at a few um, back in this era from like ninety two ish to two thousand two ish. They took a lot of Russians, like a lot. Of well, players. I think at that back in that era. Wasn't the the Red Wings team like a juggernaut oh, like that? The Moscow Red Army, whatever. Yeah, like the Lidstrom, Datsuk, yes. you know, uh, Holmstrom, yeah. um, Larry Fedorov, yeah. like all of them. So they were probably uh, like, yeah, yeah, like we should take a Russian because Detroit's right. taking them all and they're <laughs> kicking our ass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they probably were. They're probably followers. They're probably like <laughs> trying to trying to peek over uh, Scotty Bowman's shoulder to see who the Red Wings are going to pick yeah. and uh, and ended up with, uh, you know, the shitty Russians instead. Yeah, the, yeah, the bad Russians. That Orkin was one of them. <laughs> uh, and then uh, six picks later, it was Maxim Talbot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up playing with a cup of coffee with the Bruins. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, Dennis Weidman went 241. Uh, and so he missed out on a couple of those guys for Utkin. Then uh, in the round eight, this is a nine-round draft back then. Wow. Jan Stastny. Jan Stastny played 91 games in the league, scored 16 points as a center <laughs> in 91 games. Uh, he was actually played the most games of any Bruin drafted in 2002 <laughs> from the eighth round from the eighth round. Wow. 91. And I don't think he played the games with, with Boston. I think he played with, I think he probably played with somebody else. No, he played with St. Louis. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I was sounded like yeah. St. Louis. I think I remember that. Yeah. And then finally two two 290, the second to last pick in the draft, Pavel Frolov, another Russian, a center. 18 years old and never played a game in the league. And the Mr. Irrelevant was Jonathan Erickson, who played a whole shitload of games for the wow. Detroit Red Wings. Yep. 680 to be exact. Mm-hmm. So that was a, uh, that's one of the worst trades they've, the, the worst drafts they've had in the last 30 years. Excellent. 2002. Well, yeah, I'm it was gla- really, really I'm, bad. I'm glad we chronicled it. So he kicked off the throwback draft segment yep. with, with one of the worst. One of the worst in the, in the in the history of the organization. <laughs> right. In the 98-year history. Yeah. Uh, conference finals predictions. Tampa Bay and the Rangers. I, I mean, I like Tampa Bay in five. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I think Tampa Bay is going to uh, maybe not cruise, but yeah, five or six. Yeah, so I'll say six. Uh, Tampa and six. Be Vasilevsky's dynamite. I know Shesterkin's been very good. Yeah, has been. So that's why I say six. Shesterkin's yeah. been good too. So I'll I'll give I'll give the Rangers a couple just because of that. Uh, Colorado Edmonton. I like Colorado to win in five or six as well. Yeah, I'm going to say Colorado in six. I think uh, they have too much firepower. Edmonton's defense is too porous, and uh, you know I don't think just the dry sidle. Uh, McDavid can carry Edmonton through. Zach Hyman's been good for them too. 
Uh, Nugent Hopkins been okay, but uh, they don't. I don't feel like they really have enough to compete with Colorado, who's been a wagon all year. Yeah, I've 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 liked Colorado from the get go, and mm-hmm. I, I still think they're gonna win it all. Yeah, um, and they did do. I mean, they they should be very hungry. They've they've had teams who who could have won it in mm-hmm. the recent past and have not. So, uh, I like them quite a bit. We did have a tweet this past week. Carolina, we we mentioned if Carolina had won the East, would the Bruins be better than we thought? And it was well received, high engagement, including Tony Mouse from Felgram Mouse Show. Yeah, he did. He mentioned it. Uh, mm-hmm. He mentioned it actually on there on the air. I think it was on Friday. I think. Yeah. Um, didn't mention the podcast by name, which is too bad because you know, right? Give us a little yeah, plug. Fuck's sake. Right. Um, but uh, <laughs> right. but he did mention uh, our question. And his answer to it, which was no, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I think I tend to kind of agree with him there. I think it's maybe Carolina was a little worse than we thought, and the Bruins were mm-hmm. what we thought is is mm-hmm. what it comes down to. I think if you're watching this series now, Colorado, Edmonton, again, like Colorado, Edmonton, Tampa Bay Rangers, um, you know, again, Carolina, they have pretty good centers, but not elite ones. And the the elite well, are playing. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Aho is yeah. Aho is not McDavid. He's not McKinnon. He's no. not. I mean, there's quite a few there. So even Sabanajad is is an excellent player. Um, it was a great pickup for them for the Rangers. He does make a good amount of money, but but he is a pretty good player for them. Um, but I think Colorado wasn't quite as good up and down the line. And of course, the backup goalie that catches up to you. Yeah, it does. And it did in game seven. I mean, the better goalie won by far in that game. I mean, yeah. it just Ranta just ran out of gas and and he tried. I mean, he was like Halak a couple of years ago in the bubble. Like he tried. Like right. hell. Yeah, I mean and, I, and, and I, after a while. And I think that um if Colorado and Edmonton continue to play this kind of up and down fast break loosey goosey hockey in the playoffs against yeah. either of the East Coast teams, they're gonna they're gonna lose. They will, they will lose. lose if they continue yeah. to play like let's trade chance for chance. They're going to lose. Like yeah. Tampa Bay will just shut them down and and score on their chances, and they'll blow both yeah. of those teams out. They'll just blow them right. out. Right. And I I mean I think I'm not sure the Rangers have the firepower kind of to keep up with either of those teams, mm-hmm. um, right. but they have the goaltending and they have mm-hmm. a pretty good defense. So right. if those teams continue to play like, Oh, we're just going to go chance for chance. I mean, it's entertaining as fuck to watch. Like oh, it's, it's great. It it's great. to it It's great for viewership, but um, not for, not for winning a cup. It isn't. So if uh, they continue to no. play that way, I think either one of the teams from the East is going to beat them. No, it's like lacrosse on ice. It's just like, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, eight to six. And yeah. was it, there was a game earlier. It just, was it nine to six, Edmonton and Yeah, Calgary? Edmonton and Calgary. Yeah. Jesus. Um, hey, go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on YouTube, the Bruins Benders podcast. Download the Inside the Rink app. And coming up in just about a month, the NHL draft, the Bruins have a second-round pick. I think their first-rounder was going to be 22. It was going to be 22, correct. I think it's going to be, what, 44, second-rounder. So, um, And we'll take a look at some. Maybe we'll pick three each of some random prospects we've never heard of and see if we can hit it. You know what we Uh, should do? We should just pick who the 44th person is in in Central Scouting and see how they do. Yes, and see how they do. 
That's a great idea. Or, or whatever, whatever spots that the Bruins should pick according to that. Right. We'll just, we'll just keep track of those guys and see how they do based on, based off of who the Bruins actually pick, which will be someone much later down that is, <laughs> right. that is not on anybody's board and they'll just go off the board kind of like the Patriots. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Patriots seem to hit on those guys when they go they off do. the board like that. Right. And the Bruins right. do not. The Bruins don't. And they, they reach quite a bit and we'll, we'll see just how badly they reach. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also see how much they disregard central scouting. And we'll also see how much they disregard the entire Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. <laughs> so those things right there, we'll see what they have against those things. Yeah. Um, so that'll do it for episode 37, the Patrice Bergeron episode 37. And uh, we'll be back at it next week. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. And go Bruins. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye-bye. Mm,